good morning, afternoon, or evening. Please delete as appropriate. Hello there. This is the Material Podcast, episode number 197, a.k.a. episode 200, but three before that. And I am Andy Anatko. And I'm Florence Ion, and I thought that Andy maybe forgot to tell me something for a second there until... I realize that you're referring to the fact that we are counting down to our 200th episode. Yes, because everyone's all excited about it. Like on my street, like there are decorations everywhere and there's special candy and special things like uh, for sale at the CVS and the Walgreens uh, that's being referred to as Easter is the name that they're given uh, to the celebration of uh, episode 200 coming up in a few weeks. But still, the energy is palpable, crackling energy crackling energy that sounds delicious you know what else is crackling <laughs> uh my pixel 3 ah there you go uh, you, you, yeah. you got one of those limited edition crunchy phones i understand i did i did and actually uh what i'm gonna do now which is if those of you can hear rustling in the background i don't know actually how much this mic is going to pick up but i am opening my rma box that google sent today <laughs> Which I had to pay for up front. So, I mean, folks what out there happened? who follow me bad, know. Bad week? So it was, the la- it was the last day in Palm Springs. And, you know, I'd had a really long week at this conference and I was tired. And my friend and I were out and I had a cute case on my Pixel 3 because we were out taking Instagram photos in front of all the beautiful houses. <laughs> you know, we had gone to Frank Sinatra's house. We had gone to see... We actually went inside because it turns out that you can rent Frank Sinatra's house, by the way, and stay in it. Uh, And there's a piano shaped pool back there. So like we walk in there and they just the people who are renting it invited us in. So we took like a little tour, which is very (laughs) cool. Right. So I'm taking all these great pictures, you know, just having fun with my friend. And then uh, finally, our last stop, which was right in front of Marilyn Monroe's house. Uh, now, if I recall correctly, Marilyn Monroe passed in, let me see, I'm Googling it right now. Sorry, everyone, for this live. Okay, so apparently we're not sure where she died. <laughs> <laughs> but it is rumored that she died in this house in Palm Springs. And so my story now to everybody is that Marilyn Monroe's ghost came back and haunted me. This is This is really... <laughs> <laughs> Again, I always use this podcast to tell everyone what a horrible person I am and what a horrible person I can be. So I recorded a little video of myself rolling my eyes in front of the Marilyn Monroe house because I'm like, oh, we're here in front of Marilyn Monroe's house. I'm just like, whatever, because I'm not like I was absolutely no shade to anybody out there who's like into pinups and just like the history or just like old Hollywood I, you know, probably shouldn't have rolled my eyes because I think that is why the ghost of Marilyn Monroe came and knocked it out of my hand and the Pixel 3 ended up on the floor face down on very hot concrete, which I think maybe in my limited knowledge of how the world works contributed to the fact that this this phone cracked so hard, it cracked all the way down the middle. Now, I actually... I forgot to bring it, but I don't think I'd be able to show it to you anyway through the Skype webcam just because it's we're recording this at night instead of our usual daytime. Um, and sharp and, glass and sharp well, cut edges. And- 
I showed it off on All About Android, but even there, it was like very hard to see because it's it's just pulverized in the corners. It just looks like glass, broken glass. I don't know what else to say. It just looks like broken glass, and there's just like a giant crack in the middle, and it's it's still usable, which is great. <laughs> uh, but I just also dropped three hundred dollars to get it RMA'd and fixed by Google. So that is what I have here is the RMA box. And it's just a padded box with a lithium sticker because you have to put that. Although I I swear they don't listen to those things. And then you just tuck it in there, print out the RMA sheet. And I guess they fix it for me. Same way they fixed up uh, Mr. Spock at the end of Star Trek to the Rathacon. You put it in a little box, you send it away. You come back for the next movie in a couple of years, and you collect a brand new refurbished Spock. Refurb- yeah, exactly. Well, this Pixel 3 has been a pain in my butt. I'm trying to avoid us getting any explicit sticker. You're, you're definitely uh, holding it wrong then. Hey! Um. It's just no. It's it's just been an absolute pain. It's expen. It was really expensive, but I bought it anyway. I'm like, whatever. I do this for a living. I should just do the experience. Uh, I you know now I'm paying three hundred dollars because I didn't get the warranty. So I feel like an idiot for that because I definitely know better. But at the same time, like I've never done this. This has never happened to me before in my entire phone wielding life. And oh. Actually, I take that back. Um, I did once drop a QWERTY, like it was a flip phone with the QWERTY keyboards that flip out. I dropped that from my second story balcony. That thing still works. <laughs> that thing didn't shatter into pieces. Just some plastic fell off the back. But this thing, this just crackled all over. And it was so hard because of how much it cost. It, it's just so expensive. And then yeah. it fell. And I just, I had a good week. What happened? <laughs> Um, so now I'm using, so yeah, I'm going to send this back. It's going to take, Google says it takes like seven to 10 days once they receive it. So I figure I'm not going to have it for about two or three weeks. I'm just kind of factoring in and I won't have it for a while. So I switched to a Galaxy S9 Plus um, that I still have on loan. And um, now I'm just kind of refamiliarizing myself with the Samsung ecosystem and, you know, I'm it's going to be it's going to be an interesting trip back to Samsung land. It's been an inter- interesting trip back to Samsung land. Uh but I'm also reminded I'm reminded of the things I miss about the Pixel 3 and the things I wish the Pixel 3 did. And I have like to what? say that okay, right. <laughs> like what Andy asks. Um I miss the camera. So the camera is definitely one of the things I miss a lot is that low light performance and just like how well it processes things after the fact. Like I can't even take a good photo of my cat moving. It's just the way <laughs> Samsung does it. It just doesn't work for me. Um, the, it always looks so blurry. Hmm. The end result. Um, it looks like a, an overly compressed JPEG. Which I don't really get that feeling with like the pixel, what the pixel produces. Um, I also miss the handheldness because I'm actually having a really hard time holding this giant phone. 
Granted, this is last year's model, and it, and but this is a, a big pack. phone. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't even have a case on this, but, so clearly I'm <laughs> the worst. I just. I am you become know, death, destroyer of phones. It's okay. I it wasn't. It was a total accident. It had to happen no, no, to it, me. It happens. It happens. You know? Like do you, so are are you? Uh, this is this is said with absolutely no judgment whatsoever. This is simply a direct question. Do you not like cases? No, I do. So I had a case on. I don't. I just don't have any cases for this Galaxy oh, okay. S9 Plus because I just pulled it out of the you know the cupboard of phones. Right. Uh, I just needed something quickly, and because I am me. I always travel with a backup phone just in case this happens. <laughs> and lo and behold, the one time, because usually I come home, I'm like, ah, I didn't even use this. Why did I bring it with me? What a waste of space, you know? But this time on this trip, I had brought the extra phone to Palm Springs. Like I just kept it back at the Airbnb. And then on that final day, I told my friend, I was like, we need to go back to the Airbnb because I need to switch phones. Just, you know, it's like, of course. Flo brought an extra phone just in case this would happen. Uh, and that's what happened. So I don't have a case for the Galaxy S9 Plus, but I do like cases. And again, I had a case on the Pixel 3. It was just a crappy, like, aesthetics-only case because oh, okay. I was out shooting Instagram photos. Like, the rest of the week, I had this nice, <laughs> thick case on. Seriously. You can, you can, you know, you can hand bedazzle a spec case, a that's, so you can spray paint things gold. You I can know. glue Pokemon this was a, onto it. This was a Riverdale fan case. So it had like, oh, okay. there was a restaurant in Riverdale called Pop's Chocolate Shop. And it was yes, the logo yes. of it. And I bought it on AliExpress. And I just thought it was super cute. And I was going to go take pictures with it out, you know, in like old vintage Palm Springs. Uh, but that didn't happen because I ended up dropping it. It's just a bummer. Uh, yeah. It's a bummer. It's an accident. Yeah, That's it's, really what happened. It was no, just an accident. Nope. Exa exactly so. There's a your the thing is phones are things that you're always taking in and out of your pockets. You're always holding it at weird angles. It is practically inevitable you're going to drop it from time to time. And often and oftentimes have, did you I I wonder if you ever dropped it before because oftentimes I did. I yeah, dropped see, the Pixel 3, uh, if you recall, in the first three days that I yeah. had it. I dropped it on the ground, but it fell on the back. So the back part took all the beating and it was just kind of like scratched off the little not pink part versus this giant shard. <laughs> this phone has been through a lot and I've only had it since October. Yeah. No, because that, that's I think that's oh, that's sometimes a factor where like you have where when I drop a phone and I pick it up, so, oh boy, I really got lucky there. Thank God for my spec my, my spec case, or else I definitely would have shattered the screen. I always wonder if maybe I actually did create micro fractures so that the next time I drop it, it's just going to be glitter and tinsel where the screen <laughs> cover used to be. It's also just the era we live in and i just find this to be kind of unfair as a consumer <laughs> yep well because it's a well yeah. now i have now because i'm spending all this money on these phones well you might as well pay for the extended care plan anyway yeah. just in case even if some nothing is going to happen and it's just kind of a bummer because it's a real you have to you have to have that money up front. 
And it's a right. lot of money. Like a hundred extra dollars is a lot of money. And I already bought like the lower tier version or whatever. It's, it's just a bummer. Yeah, no, just no, bummed. Ex no ex ex exactly. <laughs> it's see, I'm I'm kind of I'm glad that I've managed to have broken myself out of the oh well, geez, this phone is two years old. I can I, I should upgrade to the latest hardware just for research purposes, of course, in my daily carry phone. And that's I don't know what happened. Maybe it's because like the 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 good phones kept increasing in price by let's say 50 to 75 dollars every year or two and now they're just expensive enough that it's like i can't believe there was even a time where i would say i don't need a new 650 dollars 700 dollar thing but i'm just going to choose to spend 700 dollars on something i don't actually need to replace something that's still working fine and now that like the new uh, like like the new pixel 3 like last year was going to be like $850 just to get the 128 gig version of the smaller phone that I'm using right now. It was like, you know, I think this night sight feature is really giving me all the enhancements that I would be hoping to get with a new phone. It's so hard to just say, I'm going to all the things that I could do with $850. Even if we, even if we don't do stupid things like, I don't know, living expenses, healthcare, insurance things like that yes uh, mind you we're not rich okay so this again is a lot we remind of... you that we are freelance journalists in a rapidly yes. collapsing market uh yes i'm <laughs> i'm you know kind of coasting in the middle class here which in the bay area is it's it's a little different than the rest of the country i'll tell you that uh i just think if, so i feel a little called out first of all andy because i i have been on that trajectory of just, oh, I'm going to get a new phone every year because I said, why the heck not? I'll just splurge and like do that for myself uh, because whatever, iPhone people do it. But <laughs> this is what happens. Things like this happen. And so I feel like this is a lesson I am learning kind of the hard way or rather I'm being forced to experience this. And I think because there's going to be a good story to come out of it. Seriously, I know, I know my life works this way. It just throws stories my way. Uh, I think in this instance, the story is, what is life like with a year-old phone? Because effectively, that's what's going on right now. I've got this Galaxy S9 Plus. I'm kind of, I'm just resigned to it. This is what I have available to me. It's not the new hotness. It's not the GS10. Um, it's a last year's phone. And I'm going to use it for a while. I've already, like, repaired everything with it, which is, oh, my God, don't even get me started on backing up an Android device and, like, moving stuff. Uh, well, yeah, no, it's we, we're all I know I'm breathing a lot on this podcast today, but that's because I just I'm exasperated. No, uh, the, 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 the thing that really gets I'll, I'll, I can't speak for you. I'll speak for myself that the <laughs> it's like there there are times where I like just just last night. I was like, oh God, I really, I'm really, really busy. I got all these things I had to, had to spend all day like recording a show and preparing for the show. And now I got to make sure spend, I got to finish reading this book that I have to like, I have a pre-release version of a really, really cool book that I promised the author that like, if I liked it, I'd like write a, a, a blurb or something for the cover. And I had to make sure that I read the whole thing. And like, this is like a week after I said that, oh, I'm nearly done with it and I should have something for you the next day. So I had to, I felt like I had to finish that. Also, it's a really, really good book and I didn't want to stop reading it. But then I also had to prepare for uh, uh, my NPR tech half hour today 
So like a lot of like having to assimilate lots and lots of different things. That's what I'm sorry. What I'm getting at is that it's like there's a there's a pizza and sandwich shop. I could literally throw a paper airplane from my house and hit it from here. Okay, I, 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 if I walk there, I'll get it faster than this pizza or sandwich is delivered. And last night, I said, I really, I really, uh, I, I, I don't want to skip dinner, but I really, really don't want to have to cook. I don't, and I, and I talked myself out of spending like thirteen or fourteen dollars on a pizza or like a really nice grilled sandwich, and and patting myself on the back. You see, it's going to take you a small amount of effort just to heat up a can of soup and add uh, and add some of those noodles you like and maybe a little dose of paprika just to, to sort of uh, tart it up a little bit but you see instead of spending $13 needlessly you just spent what a buck and a half $2 and you're fine and then like the next day I'll drop a phone and say oh so I didn't have that sandwich that I wanted last night but now I have to spend $300 to have my phone fixed because I need my phone Thank you, God. There, there, there are days like this when you feel as though you do not count amongst God's beloved, at least not on that specific day. No, I was actually right before we recorded. Not that this is the Andy and Flo do chores podcast, but you know what? Again, we're real people here doing real things. But I was totally at the grocery store like I was there a little longer than I usually am because I was looking for all of the deals, you know. Why should I pay $3 per bottle for sparkling water when I can get three for five of the Pellegrino kind? Because I had to drop all that money on fixing the phone. Anyway, so I will let everybody know how this whole thing ends up. You know, it's going to be an experience as everything in life is. Andy, what have you got for us this week? Since we're well, still here in the catch-up time, I don't want to take it all about my woes, my <laughs> dropping my phone woes. Well, uh, I so Google Plus uh, finally, finally rang down the curtain and joined the choir in Visibule uh, on the 2nd of April. And on the morning of April 2nd, I thought, I honest to God can't think of anything of any importance that I ever posted on Google Plus but per, since all I have to do, either. Yeah, <laughs> since all I have to do is like click on this link and Google will automatically package up everything I put on that site into an archive of HTML files that I can then have on my on my hard drive. I suppose it would be churlish not to simply click this link, so I did. And I was kind of surprised. <laughs> it was I've got the archive in in front of me, uh, so. No, okay. You, you, don't don't snicker, beloved audience. The number of uh, things in this archive is four four twenty. <laughs> but yes, apparently I posted four hundred and twenty things exactly. Sorry. Exactly. <laughs> and now we have the explicit sign. Light him, light him if you got him. Uh, <laughs> and so, I, so I, and again, I don't. So apparently, like when this when Google Plus started. I kind of got into this thing of, well, let's see how well it works or and or let's see if as one of the earliest people posting on these things, maybe I can become the pew, 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 pew die of, <laughs> of Google Plus. Yeah, thank you. Don't don't say it. Yes. <laughs> so so I'm going to so I'm going to randomly <laughs> like I'm going to do like a roulette sort of thing. I'm going to randomly click on one. And let's see if I can remember any of these. OK. I have randomly landed on. Post 
Facebook.html posted on May 20th, 2013. And I don't know what this is this is some sort of a chat and it really yeah this would this would make sense it seems to be uh it seems to be just like a google plus chat with people who are just saying hmm this is interesting like hmm i can't i can't get this feature to work apparently we're testing out some sort of google plus feature which is which is probably yeah it's a it's a hangouts uh so let's see Okay, and mm, yeah, so so basically, it's 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 another see, it's another it's a reminder of something that I only learned last year when I packed up for this move, which is that if there's a box somewhere in your house or a closet or an entire room where you don't know what's in that room or in that box, at least consider just not even opening that box and throwing it right into the trash, because. If you don't know, if you've if you've had this, if you've abandoned this for so long that you no longer have any idea what's in there, if in the intervening like two, three, four, ten years, you have never thought to yourself, "Oh, dang it, I really need that mortising jig. Where did I put it?" And you keep rummaging through boxes until you find your mortising jig. That means that this box probably has nothing that's relevant to you. And you're in your present incarnation as a human being. And that if you were to open it up, you'd be like, oh, wow, look, it's a whole box of popular mechanics. I wonder if one of those is that issue where they showed you how to make like a shot, uh, how to like make a satellite dish out of like a one sheet of plywood. Well, uh, you know, I, sh- I should look through them all to make sure that like I'm not throwing out an issue that I really, really like. But I don't have time to look through it now, so I'll just keep those, this whole box. Whereas if I just chucked it out, I would never have remembered that I had the huge box of popular mechanics from like the mid to late 80s, early 90s. And I would have one less box to deal with. So I think that this Google Plus archive is my box of popular mechanics that I probably should have just let drift off back to the land of ghosts and winds and drift away from memory. You know, I have my live journal backed up (laughs) several times over, uh, but I find that to just be a treasure chest, a trove, a a trove of treasures, a cornucopia, a whatever. It's it's a beautiful treasure chest of just memories. It is a yeah. I'm by the way because it's nighttime. I'm a little dead. So if I sound kind of like what is Flo saying, it's because I'm having the hardest time finding the words tonight. Uh, I had no personal connection with Google Plus, so I kind of just let it go. I said goodbye and I let it go the same way I did Friendster, the same way I did MySpace. That's kind of how I let it go because <laughs> it didn't, it just didn't mean that much to me. <laughs> and I know that it, me- it meant so much to other people out there. And I know that there are some communities that were really affected by the closing of Google Plus, but I definitely don't see a place for Google plus in the social media future we have now. It's just not, we don't have the same climate that we did back in the day when this came out. And maybe back then it could have had a chance if it was just a little different, but in this day and age, you know, how about reading in YouTube, Google? (laughs) That's why they had to close Google plus. And we will talk about that soon. Uh, and let's actually we should get going on it. The, the, yeah. the only last thing to say is that uh, just to follow up a few weeks ago, we talked about how Google Duplex 
which uh, in the the new Google technology AI technology that was uh, demonstrated at Google I/O last year and launched a thousand think pieces about how we're letting the machines control our lives. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, last time we talked about it, it was selectively being rolled out to real people as opposed to people in test. Now it is live for everybody, at least in the 43 United States states where it's actually legal. Uh, so not just Pixel phones, but all Android devices that are running Android 5.0 and up, uh, as well as all iOS devices. Uh, you can't get your you can't arrange to get your hair did via Google Duplex, but you can still have Google Assistant uh, get you reser- restaurant res- reservations. We ask ask it get me get me a, get me a table at Nobu for eighteen people uh, on uh, on February third. Uh, what a jerk! And Mr. <laughs> Well, Just I have kidding. To, I have Sometimes to we have to celebrate. Sometimes we have to celebrate <laughs> birthdays. I get it. I was going to call at least five minutes before the reservation and cancel. I would not leave them. With... <laughs> I wonder, I wonder there are du- jerks who yes. do that. I wonder if Duplex can do that for you, where you're just so socially intimidated by thing is that there are people who are supposed to like come for they're, they're flying in my whole family but then their flight got delayed like a whole like day and because <laughs> and we didn't know about this until like an hour ago so we really weren't stringing you i know we're canceling off on an 18 person table like a half hour before we were supposed to be there but i can you have like like duplex I really, really don't want to get scolded to by whoever answers the yes. phone. Could you cancel this for me? <laughs> Soon that will be possible. I mean, we're definitely headed in that direction with personal assistance, with digital assistance. Uh, I will say, since Google is one of the more talkative assistants out there, which has both been a complaint and a praise of the service, <laughs> that it's definitely, I think that's in its future. Yes. Yeah. Shall we make some money? Let's let's help pay for your next broken phone and mine. Yeah, exactly. My next phone that I can't afford. This episode of Material is brought to you by Linode. With Linode, you can instantly deploy and manage an SSD server in the Linode cloud. And you can get a server running in just seconds with your choice of Linux distro, resources, and node location. Linode serves their customers with the help of 10 data centers across the globe, and they're about to add more. Mumbai, India, and Toronto, Canada will both have data centers before 2020. Linode features native SSD storage, a 40 gigabit network, and Intel E5 processors, meaning you're able to serve your customers even faster than before. And so you don't have to stress about overspending, Linode has assigned their pricing tiers to feature hourly billing, with the added bonus of a monthly cap on all plans and add-on services, such as backups and node balancers. Linode has pricing options to suit everyone. Their plans start at 1 gig of RAM for just $5 a month, and they offer high memory plans starting with 16 gigs of RAM. And Linode has a special offer just for you, for our material listeners. As a listener of this show, you can go to linode.com slash material and use the promo code material2019 to get $20 towards any Linode plan. On the 1 gigabyte of RAM plan, that's four free months. And with a seven-day money-back guarantee, you have nothing to lose. So give Linode a try. That's linode.com slash material and promo code material2019 to learn more, sign up, and make the most of that $20 credit. 
Our thanks to Linode for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Okay, well, uh, Google seems to have repented. Uh, they have uh, uh, seen already. Well, they, they, it's they, they seem to have had some sort of a near-death experience, which has uh, encouraged them to see the error of their ways and to walk the straighter and truer path. Let a higher power be the lamp unto their feet, so to speak. At least that seems to be the that seems to be where I decided to put these <laughs> these two stories this week. Uh, Bloomberg had a really, really great, re- well-researched article. They spoke to 20 former and current employees of YouTube uh, and told a really <laughs> unfortunate story that about how when YouTube was trying to build itself from a, a, a cat video service in 2009 to a major, major force, they absolutely didn't care about how much damage certain of the videos are, that their users were posting was doing. They were focused, focused, focused on the goal of having 1 billion hours of views per day. And as more as the viewership and the membership grew and they, they, People who worked at YouTube were able to get more and more of an insight into how bad some of these videos were. And we're talking about you know, uh, fake videos, uh, toxic ones, things that are are, are uh, spreading rumors and uh, uh, false allegations, uh, f- fake science like anti-vax stuff. And But the problem was apparently <laughs> that, of course – the the uh, the algorithm that was somewhat unsophisticated at that time kind of rewarded those videos for being so attention attention grabby and either making people either so gobsmacked by this new fake revelation or so angry at this piece of idiocy that they would definitely uh, link to it and comment on it and forward it to other people. So the the algorithm was rewarding this sort of behavior, and so more and more of these videos kept getting promoted, which helped drive uh, drive in user engagement and viewership, which got them closer to that uh, to, uh, to that uh, one billion hour per. And that I almost hate saying that one billion hours per day of people watching YouTube. I love YouTube, but that seems to be. I know it's not one person. But that's that seems like a lot of hours to be spending on watching YouTube video. Um, and as uh, as people who worked at YouTube and we're talking about like junior to senior uh, senior workers there, they were looking at the problems and a they're trying to track it. Like, for instance, as the alt-right videos started becoming a movement and then a problem, uh, one worker decided to, well, let's create a vertical uh, for alt-right content. So, so internally, we can track to see how uh, how these videos are moving and how big of an impact they're having. Uh, and they were quickly told that, eh, stop doing that. We don't care about that. Uh, the another worker was uh, came up with some ideas on how to sort of address it because uh, then is now one of the big problems is how do you deal with a video that doesn't technically violate any uh, YouTube community standards? However, it's obviously problematic, such as an anti-vax uh, video or the the videos of idiots saying that the Sandy Hook massacre was a false flag operation. That's okay. Technically, it's within the rules, but uh, this, their idea was, well, what if we were to allow these videos to continue to be on the service, 
but there will not they will not appear in anyone's recommendations and we won't help the velocity of these things spread this was also shot down not just simply allowed to languish but actively shot down um, even even worse their their workers were trying to do their best in the in the trenches to look for this bad content to sort of weed out these problem actors uh, and lawyers were actively discouraging discouraging them from doing that on the basis that if uh, our, if anything really really horrible happens as a consequence of a, a video that was posted on YouTube, legally we would have some liability if uh, a lawyer could prove that we were aware that this video existed. So no no no, absolutely don't don't come up with a list of of, of videos that we should follow up on because that would prove that we saw this this uh, this this stirring call to action for idiots to grab home depot tiki torches uh, and march upon the communities of innocent people uh, it's uh, five senior employees the article says uh, quit over exactly this issue not just oh i'm getting burned out or i'm sick of this it was no exactly this problem uh, and the only bright light in this piece is that it does seem as though 2016 was a bit of a wake-up call for uh, for YouTube as well as Facebook and pretty much everybody else because this is the point at which uh, that Google... That was the wake-up call is when something happened. I'm sorry to interrupt, yeah. Andy. It's just... No, no. That's the, it's so frustrating that something has to happen before there's a wake-up call. I mean, if you go and read Bloomberg, I mean, you see that there are all these employees who were speaking out about the perils and the dangers of the algorithm yeah. and and nobody did anything about it mm-hmm. yeah and quince and you would like if you were going to be charitable you would say that 2016 was such a disaster in people uh, outside agencies being able to weaponize youtube so to speak that oh well you know what i we've seen the light now and we've seen our responsibility and we will go forth and sin no more uh, coincidentally this is also when they reached <laughs> when youtube became you had already become youtube and stopped becoming family videos of cats and became the sort of force that google google's business interests really wanted it to be uh that said uh google responded to uh bloomberg's request for comment and of course, this is all coming from Google, uh, pointing out that without defending any of their actions <laughs> from 2009 up until 2016, they're pointing out how they now have 10,000 people who are specifically focusing on content issues, that how uh, how uh, they've kept uh, updating uh, user policies. They said that they've made 30 new policy updates just in 2018. They do certain things like uh, adding Wikipedia, Wikipedia fact boxes to certain kinds of videos to, when they feel as though there is a lot of BS going on in this video and they need to drop a little bit of truth sauce over it so that maybe you could swallow it a little bit more palatably. Uh, <sighs> it's not going to, to be enough. media literacy. <laughs> this, <Yeah>. is rid- <laughs> this is getting ridiculous. Everybody should be able to independently do this on their own. I mean, the internet is available to you. You literally just need to type in what you are looking for. It is not that hard. <laughs> and it's very, it, it's just very frustrating that like the most simplest things have to be done just to avoid liability because, because it doesn't change the nature of what is happening. This is literally just a, a quote unquote fail safe to try and avoid any liability. 
it doesn't actually fix the problem i see there's uh, this is another uh, this is another one of those cases where i kind of reflect on at least my difference in opinion between google and facebook where i do i believe that facebook is institutionally incapable of understanding not only its responsibilities to society, but its complicity in screwing things up on every basis that you can possibly come up with. I think that institutionally, this is an organization that believes that everything should be public, everything should be shared, there should be no secrets whatsoever, and therefore there isn't a whole lot of importance in making sure that things that people think are private actually remain private. That there really isn't any, there aren't any limits to what Facebook can do to manipulate people through the news feed, for instance. I don't think that institutionally they have that kind of a moral center. I can't back this up with specific examples, but I do believe that Google is institutionally like the nerd who gets really, really excited about pursuing a line of research or a, an area of invention without really thinking through the consequences. But once someone points out to them that, yeah, the problem is that your beautiful electric driverless car that makes no noise, there are a lot of people who are not going to see it coming, not going to hear it coming, and they're going to be run over by this thing. They realize th At that point, they say, ooh, wow, we didn't think about that because we were so excited about doing this completely silent car that won't bother anybody with this noise. You're absolutely right. We'll add some, we'll add some, some squeaky horns and some, and some, some squealy tires to it to solve that problem. I, I do believe that once they, I do believe there was a point in which they genuinely realized a, their responsibility for the mess that YouTube had become, but also as importantly, B, the danger that all of this, all these problems put the company in both to be mercilessly regulated by a government that was that's becoming sick and tired of tech companies that don't want to regulate themselves, but also for YouTube becoming synonymous with this poison cesspool of places that where no no nice person would ever 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 want to spend uh more than 20 20 seconds in let alone actually looking for videos to actually watch so i do believe they're sincere when they talk about wanting to improve the product and wanting to address these things that doesn't mean that i trust them to do that they really have to continue to <laughs> they really have to continue to make very, very public statements about what they're doing to proactively stay ahead of these things. Like uh, the uh, when the that horrible video uh, of the mass murder in New Zealand uh, came out, uh, the somehow a couple of outlets got the story of what was happening behind the scenes at YouTube to try to make sure that this video was taken down as soon as anybody tried to post it, no matter how they tried to. Uh, uh, trick uh, its uh, identification algorithms into thinking that it was something else. Uh, right, there not... was that article on the disaster team. Right, exactly. Uh, and it's not just good PR, it's part of their responsibility to communicate to the outside world, here's how our system works, here's how hard we work to try to make this happen, not only to defend itself against allegations that, hey, the, I, uh, it was so easy to find this video on YouTube, but also to give us an insight into the fact that a lot of systems are fundamentally 
not broken. They're just not up to us to a challenge of that kind of a level. So if we're expecting that uh, a service like YouTube is going to be always a uh, a proponent of either lawful good or even like neutral on that on that grid. Despite even if we had a company that says we're willing to tank all of our profits to make YouTube as positive an influence on society as possible, this is not going to be possible so long as they keep operating at this kind of scale. We need to know the dangers of these tools that are being created, even if legally we don't necessarily have to know the contents of these algorithms themselves. So how much of this... When do we say that this is enough, like enough is enough? Because uh, one of the biggest arguments that I hear is in favor of YouTube because it is kind of a creator's bill. Like it's a place where you can come and you can be creative and you can start your own business and, you know, that sort and kind of contribute to the larger discussion of humanity, which is a beautiful thing and why YouTube has grown to the size that it has grown. But the problem is that uh, it's more than just that. It's also a lot of dangerous, dark corners that are being just constantly, just fuels constantly added so that the information is propagated in such a way. And those people are making money off of it. <laughs> those people on YouTube are both making money off of it. Uh, and so that is that is why I... I mean, I just, I, I don't know how to answer the question of how to fix it. Yeah. I'm not even sure that it's fixable. Yeah. That's why I say that there's just a fundamental weakness, just, just like in our, in our system in the United States, where I can go from town to town and state to state without having to offer identification papers, I can move freely. There's ways to exploit that for evil purposes that are not solvable. The solution to that is to erect uh, hard borders at every state line so that every person attempting to pass from one state to another has an opportunity to be screened for uh, any sign or any piece of data that indicates that someone is trying to find this person to hold them responsible for something bad that they might have done. The only way, and we don't want that, so we're going to have to be okay. We're going to have to accept that certain dangers that could be solved with a change of the system are not going to get solved. The question to us as a society, I think, is going to be, does YouTube fulfill an important enough role that when people decide to use it as a vector for hate speech, that YouTube is going to do the best it can to stamp it down? but can't stamp out all of it, does it still provide a good enough benefit to the whole of society to allow this uh, these toxic videos to get audiences? And I would say yes, not for people creating businesses, but for people to simply have the ability to record something they want to say or information they want to share and simply post it and not have to and that this power not be concentrated in the hands of broadcasters who can afford an FCC license or people who can afford uh, streaming video hosting on a month to month to month basis. I just, I don't I just don't know. I don't yeah. know what to say about all this. It's just, you know. Well, there's well there's be, there's better news uh, in the in the next story. Uh, how two things miraculously happened on the exact same day. 
there was a protest letter that 915 Googlers uh, signed demanding better treatment of uh, of uh, Google contract workers, uh, temporary workers. We've talked about this before, that so many of the people that are working day-to-day on the Google campus, as though they work for Google, are not actually working for Google. They work for an outside contractor that's been hired by Google, uh, which means, and it means that they're not in the communications loop on a lot of the things in their projects because, hey, they're outsiders, we can't commit them in. They're not in communications loops, so if there is an emergency Sometimes, like uh, like when there was a uh, shooting-based lockdown on YouTube last year, the year before, the contract, the actual employees got the red alert, hey, uh, seek cover immediately. But the contractors, because they're not on that mail list or on that alert list, did not. Uh, they're not. They don't get the same benefits. They don't get the same wages. Uh, and so, 915 Googlers demanded better treatment. And on that exact same day, <laughs> Google uh, announced through uh, an internal memo that they. You have to assume that they themselves provided to uh, the website The Hill. Uh, announced that they're going to start requiring all their uh, that the, all of their contractors to basically give their temporary workforce uh, full benefits, including comprehensive health care paid parental leave, whether you're a single parent, whether you're a same-sex couple, whether you're adopted parents, uh, uh, $15 minimum wage, uh, $5,000 tuition assistance for uh, skills upage. Uh, The parental leave is up to uh, 12 weeks, minimum of eight days of sick leave, basically giving them the dignity of someone who they pretend to be is very, very important to the work being done at Google. It really is a sense of... (laughs) a long delayed sense of dignity saying they can't whereas before google was able to hide behind the fact oh well they're not our we treat our employees extremely well and we're very proud of that oh those naughty contractors though well what can you do they're outside contractors yeah well they're again they're outside contractors that work almost exclusively for you and you could basically tell those contractors you you have until 2022 to make sure that you have comprehensive uh, benefits and and a wage and a wage increase in place for everybody or else we don't do business with you anymore and this is exactly what they did uh these new benefits have to be in place by 2022 uh google said somewhat put it somewhat folksy uh, colloquially and i'm directly quoting the uh the the hill article if folks don't meet the standards by the deadline, then business decisions will need to be made, and then we'll need to continue to audit our suppliers through perpetuity to make sure the people are still meeting those standards. Uh, I'm saying because I, I like a sort of Andy Griffith sort of. Because again, it just seemed like the policy states that all contracts are contingent upon these eight points. It just seemed like, okay, business decisions will need to be made. Let's hope that that means that they will fire these, these contractors. I just don't understand why the benefits couldn't be in place like immediately. <laughs> Cause 2022 is still a couple of years away and well, people need that stuff now. <laughs> yeah. Especially people who are working in the Bay, working and living in the Bay area. Yeah. <laughs> Damn right. It's um, just it's it's just like really frustrating. Um, and I know maybe some people out there might be wondering what this is have to do with anything Google. And it has everything to do with everything Google because Google could help set a precedent in the rest of Silicon Valley with the way it treats its contract workers. And so it would be nice as, you know, again, a fan and a consumer of Google things to have the company that we give money to uh, do that. And kind of help set that precedent 
going forward. Uh, yeah. You know, it's something. Yeah, it's also kind of a business decision because it makes the consumers who buy your stuff feel good about what they're <laughs> spending their money on. I mean, really, guys, it's just. <laughs> or, or at least not feel rotten about. <laughs> yeah, I just, you know, just it's, I, make I, it a little easier on me, the consumer, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, by treating people well and maybe paying them what they're what they should be paid. Yeah. Or, or, or at least, and when a company as big as Google makes this sort of change, and the the letter claims that fifty four percent of Google's workforce are temporary and contract workers, so the majority of the people that are doing work on the Google campus, from engineers all the way to people who are doing landscaping and working in the kitchens, mm-hmm. are are temporary and contract workers, not technically uh, employees of Google. When a company of this size says that. Well, guess what? We insisted on on benefit on a benefits package, healthcare, uh, and a, and, a, and a higher minimum wage, and we were still able to like have a competitive search product. Product. We were still able to like make money off of ads and make phones. It did not cause the entire sh- continental shelf upon which the, the the campus is is based to break off from the mainland and drift out to sea and be attacked by by goblins and gremlins it's actually possible heritage foundation you can actually treat people as though oh are they, we going into responsible. that now no no not, not quite we're, we're getting there <laughs> i just i'm i'm still upset with these with these people but we'll we'll get there so it leaked it leaked a little bit and onto the preceding uh preceding article there there is this horrible horrible fallacy that companies do not have the an obligation to pay people a fair wage or give them the resources and the and the benefits that they need to get by in this day and age not just they not not just giving them handouts but this is the minimum of what they need they need health coverage and the government is variably interested in seeing that they don't die in the streets for lack of access to health care uh, and if the government is not going to mandate that, then companies have to simply say that human dignity is something that we can actually deal with and still be a thriving business. And so the next time that uh, some conservative think tank insists that these people are just they want they want good, hardworking Americans to pay for your health coverage. That's why they want these things or it will stifle growth and will stifle wages and make things bad for everybody. And besides, as soon as they start to see that BS, hopefully five years from now, we can look at this Google uh, the results of this Google action say no. They actually did. It was it was actually quite possible for them to do this. Just like uh, for most people, not all, it's possible for you to shop at the local grocery, the locally owned grocery store that does pay its employees a very very good wage and gives them health benefits. Uh, for the which is the reason why you see people who have worked there for five to fifteen, sometimes twenty years, because they're being paid enough that they can sustain themselves on this job, as opposed to the horrible huge chain store where everybody nobody knows where you can find milk in the store because they have to hire new people every three or four months because they keep trying to make one person do the jobs of two, three, four, five people. Uh, and then as soon as they twist an ankle because of a defective uh, floor sweeper that they were supposed to use, they're fired and they don't have any recourse or health insurance. Not everybody – there are people who have to spend the minimum possible on groceries. I accept that. I appreciate that. I'm not judging people. But those of us who can afford to spend 
$4 instead of $3.73 for a jar of peanut butter. Enjoy spending that extra small amount if it means that people are being treated with dignity. So if we had a theme for Act 1, it would be Google fix everything. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for at least at least wanting people to think that you're fixing things. <laughs> exactly. Whether you are or not, and maybe you are. I'm just saying that thank you. There's some people who don't even there's some people who double down on the arrogance saying, Isn't it horrible that one of the great American entrepreneurial success stories is tarred and feathered with this idea that, oh, well, they, they want to have three months off every time they have a child. Well, you know, I grew up in a world where you have to work for things. You should not have had that child if you couldn't afford to hire babysitters and nannies and an au pair. And the Swiss boarding school, you'll ship them off to at age eight. This episode of Material is brought to you by Squarespace. Make your next move with Squarespace. Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next idea with a unique domain, award-winning templates, and more. Maybe you want to create an online store. Maybe you want to create a portfolio. Maybe you want to create a blog. Squarespace is an all-in-one platform that lets you do all those things. There's nothing to install, no patches to worry about, no upgrades needed. You don't have to worry about any of the stuff because Squarespace has got you covered. They have award-winning 24-7 customer support if you need any help. They let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name. And all of those award-winning templates are beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas. I know so many people who have Squarespace sites because it's that easy to just start a blog or an online store with Squarespace. Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month but you can start a trial with a no credit card required by going to squarespace.com material. When you decide to sign up, use our offer code material to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain and to show your support for us, the material podcast. Once again, that's squarespace.com material and the code material to get 10% off your first purchase. We thank Squarespace for their continued support. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. Okay, and we're back. And so a continuation. <laughs> a uh, continuation. Go now, ahead. I had earlier this week tweeted on my Twitter that I was sending you links <laughs> about things that we should talk about on the show. Uh, I will say I did send Andy, Andy the last couple of links that we had, but I also sent him this one. <laughs> Why, why, don't, why don't you, you – we'd like to kick this off because I, I've already like used enough ranting muscles in my tongue that I need to absolutely rehydrate because I'm – Yes. So there's a Medium post that was going out this week. Uh, a group of Googlers basically called for the ousting of K. Cole James, who is the president of the Heritage Foundation. Uh, so K. Cole James is – I, James is now on the board for Google's Advanced Technology External Advisory Council. So they've put together this council to kind of help them figure out, quote, AI ethics, unquote. Uh, and now I'm putting that in quotes because we're talking here about the Heritage Foundation. So K. Cole James, real piece of work. So her Twitter feed is full of posts against redefining women to include men. 
opening every women's bathroom to biological men, against U.S. aid to world health programs that don't explicitly forbid abortion, conditions and burdens on people receiving government assistance, border security, and every awful proposed law that is supposedly for the quote-unquote safety of women and babies, but is designed simply to make abortion accessible. In short, K. Cole James is a very mean person. (laughs) Uh, she does not she's a piece of want, work. she's a piece of work. She's just not, she's just not here for the liberal agenda of <laughs> and, equality uh, and, and, you know, whatever, I guess, I, is and, the uh, liberal I, agenda. I should, I should make sure that we're not sending the wrong message. We're not saying that if you're a conservative or a Republican, you shouldn't be on a board for anything and we don't like you. I'm saying that if you're trying to say that transgenders, transgender men and women don't exist, they're just men who are trying to sneak into women's bathrooms, you're kind of a piece of work. And if you're saying that immigrants are just, are that immigrate, uh, the problems that immigrants cause are horrible and a cancer in our society, and we should only work on on militarizing and and uh, defending the border between brown people. And the United between Mexicans and the United States, as opposed to the other borders where actual drugs are being smuggled in and the real trouble is happening, isn't that interesting? Uh, all these specific things—they're a piece of work. And the the Heritage Foundation, quote Republican think tank, unquote, collectively, they're a huge freaking piece of work. Yeah, and it's just not the kind of the. The Twitter feed that exists is not the kind of person that I want on an AI ethics board because I don't have the same beliefs as this person. And so I was making a joke earlier about quote unquote liberal agenda. And I apologize. (laughs) I'm not trying to incite anything, but it is difficult to have these conversations without. I mean, we have to recognize the, the politic of this all. I mean, we have a private company, Google, that is kind of dealing with these folks who have lobbied against basic human yep. rights, which is not okay. That's not who you want to work on the digital assistant that's helping you cancel reservations at a restaurant. It's not. Yeah. Uh, it's Partic- and so in this. But particularly, ahead, I'm sorry. But particularly when you're talking about artificial intelligence, which is never pure snow uh, sort of research. AI always will have the biases of the people who are creating it. So if one of the people who is signing about the ethics of using machine learning and artificial intelligence believes that uh, two same-sex people who are in love should not have the right to marry, what kind of nonsense are they going to either defend or oppose uh, or, or or good ideas are they going to oppose as part of this ethics council? I, I would put it to you that someone who is that energized over treating huge percentages of marginalized communities as though they are non-humans have no place to have a voice of any authority in the future of any technology. So I... Th- I think that this letter actually came out on uh, Trans 
Visibility Day, I, I want to so, say, yeah. was the name of the day. And so the letter that was put together, the Medium post, it was actually posted by Googlers Against Transphobia. It's been signed by over 2,100 Googlers at, as of present, um, academics and other supporters. And they call uh, James of the Heritage Foundation vocally anti-trans, anti-LGBTQ, and anti-immigrant. So here's just a excerpt from Medium Post. In selecting James, Google is making clear that its version of, quote, ethics, unquote, values proximity to power over the well-being of trans people, other LGBTQ people, and immigrants. Such a position directly contravenes Google's stated values. Many have emphasized this publicly, and a professor appointed to ATEAC, which is the name of the group that was put together, has already resigned in the wake of the controversy. Google cannot claim to support trans people and its trans employees, by the way, as a side note, this is my side note, I have marched uh, several years in SF Pride, and I will tell you I've marched alongside Google and Googlers all wearing the, I think we've seen the symbol of the two androids holding yep. hands. Um, they usually have one of the biggest floats, and this is just completely against that float. Okay, so just want to put that out there. It continues... Uh, so Google cannot claim to support trans people and its trans employees and simultaneously appoint someone committed to trans erasure to a key AI advisory position. Given this, we call on Google to remove Kay Coles James from the board. Uh, so <laughs> that's that. This person is on the board as of recent as of posting this has not been removed. I'm not entirely sure whether this is to acquiesce to a certain group of folks with a certain like-mindedness, which is kind of the thought that is being tossed around the internet. Meaning the why she was placed on the board to begin with? Yes. Yeah. The the, the letter, met, Google has been absolutely silent on the... Pro this post, is all pro conjecture. This exactly. is all conjecture, just they've by been, the way. They've been completely silent on uh, why anybody has been put on this board. Uh, the letter alleges that she was put there to promote diverse diversity of thought. Uh, so that's what the letter is suggesting. But I would agree with anybody who was wondering... God, you can you can find so many conservative voices that are not associated with absolute wingnut foundations. You can find so many conservatives that have not that that have yeah, that's the that, point. that have spoken against uh, <laughs> against Obamacare, that have spoken uh, against uh, entitlements, that have spoken in support of tightened border security, that have spoken in defense of the Second Amendment. But done so in a non wingnut fashion, okay? Yeah. But this is, and I and I I I would say academically that again having a diversity of opinions is a good thing, particularly if 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 as I claim I want uh, AI to be as neutral as possible and not have the prejudices of any one group of thinking that uh, that that goes into it if it's supposed to be like a neutral tool for us that it advises us we can't have it advising us that <laughs> are based on racist it's so far ideas yeah so so i'm so i'm saying that there are non-wingnuts <laughs> who are conservatives there are plenty of them they don't get the, they don't get the the recognition that they are due 
uh, and they often challenge me to take a step back and say, actually, on gun control, they kind of have this. This commentator actually has raised a whole bunch of points that I don't really know how to counter. I I still support gun control, but I'm in the hard position of having to ask myself <laughs> how I would respond to this very rational argument. Just don't get hateful people. Yeah, exactly. This is just this is pure hate. I'm sorry. It is. It's pure nuts. hate. I'm just, not apologizing. This is put pure that hate. on the put the, a checkbook on the on a checkbox on the form. Am I a wingnut? And if they, yes. that person has checked that box, put that application in the bottom of the pile. Don't reject them outright, but just saying let's interview all the other candidates before we bring in the wingnuts. It just feels like a huge slap in the face yeah. to Google's LGBTQ plus community, and of which I know that they have, you know, they've made their workplace out to be this, like, this is a space where you can come be safe yeah. and, like, come work for us because we'll make sure that you're taken care of. But are you taking care of your employees when you are bringing people on like this to have a say and what your machine is going to work like? It just feels, it just doesn't feel right. Yeah, we have. It we, doesn't you, feel right. You don't want the message to, whether it's, whether it's truthful or not, to credibly be, we absolutely have your back unless we think that throwing a bone to the Heritage Foundation would be very helpful to us in the future. In which exactly. case, that's exactly what it says. So that's, yeah, that's again, the Heritage Foundation. That's the problem here. Uh, again, you know what? Go, go into a Google Sorry. incognito tab and then go and Google it. Yeah. <laughs> and do some research. Or just, or just go to, go to her Twitter feed. And it's, uh, Every single time you think that she's saying something positive, she is coaching something horrible. Uh, and it's, it's like saying, "We believe we're 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 supporting the freedom for everybody to be nice to each other and give each other hugs and have cats to pet." Why can't at, that be like everyone's thing? I yeah. don't. I just don't understand why then, that can't it, be a part of. And politics. it makes it like legal to like hunt trans men for sh men and women for sport. Like, how can you be against love and hugs and hugging kitties? Like, because that's not what this law is about. Anyway, I'm sorry. Let's uh, let's end let's with move something on to a better some, person, something lovely and a positive. much better person. <laughs> the husband of Chrissy Teigen, as I like to per, to refer him Mr. as, Mr. Teigen. Mr. Teigen. Uh, his name is John Legend. If I believe he has an EGOT, actually. Yeah. Yes. He's got an EGOT, which for those who, for the uninitiated, means Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, and Tony. This man is so talented. And now he has an A, and that's for assistant. So he's an EGOTA. <laughs> I just yes. made that up. So this this was actually to book to nicely bookend this episode in a sandwich of announcements that were made at Google I.O. last year, but took about an entire calendar year to actually pay off. Uh, oh, the, yeah. <laughs> the John Legend, they're calling it a cameo voice, is now available on the Google Assistant. They showed off uh, having John Legend creating a, a darn convincing John Legend synthetic voice as a demonstration of their latest, uh, Google's latest uh, voice synthesis model called WaveNet. Uh, and so it's actually now available. You can, you can, uh, uh, you can just say, uh, hey, Guillermo, talk like a legend. And John Legend will Should speak back it? to you. 
Go ahead. <clears throat> hey, talk like a legend. Hi, John Legend here. I lent my voice to your Google Assistant so you can hear me do things like answer your questions, brief you on the weather, and tell jokes while the regular assistant voice handles the rest. Let's have some fun. Now, now ask it. Now ask it a regular, any regular Google Assistant question, like what's the weather? Hey Google, what's the weather right now? Right now in it's 56 and cloudy. The forecast tonight is 56 and mostly cloudy. So, okay, let's talk about this real quick. So if we recall to the Google I.O. keynote last year, there was a recording. They like they put together this cute little video of John Legend in the recording studio. And I think they recorded him like they would any other assistant voice. Because what I just heard sounded very robotic. I've watched John Legend on Chrissy Teigen's Instagram stories. Okay, I know what he talks like. That sounded very robotic, but also, but not like in a bad way. It just sounded robotic, but like it very sound- well strung together. Like, to- uh, I, I live in a town with a very, you know, with a Spanish name. So sometimes assistants don't get it right, but John Legend sure did. And I'm pretty sure he didn't say that full <laughs> word when he was recording. So that was probably pieced together. Well, I, I I I agree with you with robotic, but in a different way. Just it it strikes me like a real human being who is kind of stiff in front of the microphone and doesn't know how to intonate. Yeah, like which is like, not I, a like John... here, here here's the here's the Google blog post. I will read like imagine the silky smooth voice of John Legend answering your pressing questions every day. It's not that silky and smooth, by the way. Yeah. It's kind of it's a little choppy. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's no, but but still, a it it is recognized two things. A it is it is recognizably John Legend. It is quite passable, I think. But the uh, but oh, the yeah. but the second but the second thing is, it never really struck me how cool it would be to have uh, to be able to not necessarily create your own Google Assistant voice where I can I want to I want it to sound like uh, like David Hasselhoff and I've got enough clips from Knight Rider that I can program it to do that. I mean that imagine that you had some sort of a phone an app on your phone where you could add sort of uh, uh, influences and geographical influences and world influences to it so that it doesn't necessarily sound like generic midwestern white phone operator voice where is it that could... what you think the assistant sounds like usually no well it's, it's just it, it is a very neutral whether you choose the the male voice or the female voice whether you have the uk voice or the united states voice it's a very neutral it's a, it's excellent it's just neutral and it sounds great and but so it is doesn't... that john legend also very neutral Oh, but that's like like uh, uh, my uh, my uh, my mother grew up in Boston. She she had us. My my father grew up in Western Pennsylvania. So my 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 mother parked the car in Harvard Yard. Mm-hmm. My father parked the car in Harvard Yard. Oh my gosh! And yeah, yeah. This is this is why people don't have can't really place my accent, even though they know that I lived within thirty minutes of Boston all my life. The 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 hard R and the non-existent R kind of like <laughs> neutralized each other. But it's like, what if I were to say that I don't I don't I don't necessarily want the Google Assistant to sound like my mother or my father, but you know what? I would like sort of like a Boston 
influenced voice because those are the voices I hear around me all the time. Or I grew up in this part of the world where everybody had this kind of an accent that's not necessarily UK English or US English. I would like to have this sort of regional sort of inflection about it. Or even specifically, I would like a voice, if, even if it just gave you, we have not licensed John Legend's voice, we have not licensed uh uh Sigourney Weaver's voice but if you want but we're going to as a guide to allowing you to customize a voice to to tell us what you how, what kind of a voice you want to hear we will say well here is a mid-atlantic accent as as typified by this person and here is a uh southern accent as typified by this person and and so you could basically create a voice that is uniquely your Google assistant uh and feels therefore more personal so that if i don't so that if like uh yeah if you're talking to if you're talking to your phone and your phone talks back it doesn't sound like anybody else's phone anywhere else in the restaurant this is right. clearly this is clearly your google assistant talking so i think it's pretty cool it is cool and you know i'm just fine with celebrity voices too i think True. it's fun i mean this is a cool party trick i guess now i just have john legend is the voice <laughs> of my assistant so He's going to say goodnight to me. <laughs> and this is why they put John Legend on the Google Homes. This is exactly why. So people could say stuff like this to themselves and feel good about themselves. So this is what's happening. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I have the bravery to say, like, hey, Guillermo, sing me to sleep. <laughs> okay. But John Legend, though. Yeah. I no, mean, oh, oh, no. Absolutely. Voices. <laughs> absolutely a little, a little slow jam not even necessarily anything sexual just you know no he could just sing the line like a disney can you eyes. can you feel the love tonight uh, see but that see but that would keep me up all night because i know that i caused licensing fees to be paid to disney and i would be upset until four or five a.m oh well maybe <laughs> maybe 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 me can just have them like you know <laughs> <laughs> was a farmer. Uh, yeah. Bingo was his name. Oh, so something public domain. Ave Maria. Right. <laughs> and not happy birthday because it's not. That's not public domain yet, folks. <laughs> Quit singing it. You need to uh, pay licensing. See, because uh, Disney owns it, and they want to make sure that they can have a theme park ride based on Happy Birthday. And they want to make sure jerks. to put it in their streaming service. Bastards. Which, yeah. Uh, <laughs> boy, this has been a show. Yes, I think you know what I. I think that maybe we. <laughs> I, I shouldn't have. I shouldn't have put in like two stories that I knew would get both of us really, really outraged and worked up. Perhaps, uh, unless some Google product or Google-related company does something egregiously bad, we will be a little bit happier until the epic show 200 which is coming up soon i don't i don't yeah. see because i again i i'm not i'm not joking and i i hope that you're you'll, you're joining me in this i will be buying a really big cake for myself to eat in its entirety yes to celebrate this and i don't want to yes. be it will be too fine a cake I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to the good italian bakery in my late grandmother's neighborhood because they just do these mm, sort of amazing wow, okay uh, okay. And so I don't want I don't want to be on show 200 be talking about something that gets me worked up like abuse of of humanity and labor and be spitting this beautiful <laughs> buttercream frosting all over the microphone and my screen. That's a waste of amazing frosting. Yes, especially buttercream frosting. 
why go for anything? And then there's a big, a, a huge rose made of the same frosting. And you know you shouldn't eat the whole thing because it's just nothing but sugar and butter. But then you've realized. I have a bag of chocolate truffles right now. I'm like, just <laughs> I cannot wait when this recording is done. And now you're making my mouth salivate even more, Andy. Well, let's get you to those truffles too sweet. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, is there anything coming up that uh, we should talk about or mention before we say goodbye? Uh, no, I have nothing. Coming yep, me neither. I did. I, I did. I did two shows. Uh, two shows on NPR back to back this week. So I'll probably be off next week. So <laughs> I will. I will be. I will be laboring away in my freezing garret of my writer's nook. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm moving slowly this week, uh, exactly. but I am moving nonetheless, which is good. And of course, if you need to keep up with my moving, there's always FlorenceLion.com and I'm on Twitter at that flow. <laughs> and you can just visit me anywhere, anywhere we can spell Anatko. I'm Anatko, I-H-N-A-T-K-O.com. I'm on, I'm on Instagram and Twitter as Anatko. And usually when I have something to promote or plug or just something that struck my deformed brain as somewhat amusing i will put that on the twitter and if i see something interesting i will take a picture of it and put it on the instagram so again if you can spell my name that's your reward being able to see a picture of a mm-hmm. of a of a pepperidge farm goldfish cracker in the middle of a wet sidewalk because i thought it was funny you had this fish out of water again i can't defend it see this that is, is funny i see see this is why i do the show with you <laughs> oh, thank you. Uh, so that's going to be it for show 197. Thank you so much for listening to all of this. I uh, hope you listen to us again next week. Until then, everybody have a fantastic seven days. <laughs>